I'm gonna be the one inside the steel cage with your son. The whole state of Texas, NWA, WCCW wants me inside the cage. And guess what, Jack? You're gonna get me inside the cage. You moron, dirty dog, Flair. My son, Carrie Beverly Hills Jr., is gonna take you down, get that title from you. I can't believe you put that bounty on him. Get the camera back on me. There's no proof that I'm the one who put the bounty on him. So the game plan is this, Jack. I'm going to walk out as the NWA Native Event Status World Heavyweight Champion. Woo! From the intersection of Sunset Boulevard and Pastry, Minnesota, moved all over. Name, event, status, radio, with your host. I think Beverly Hills, this is the place. We jumped in our 1989 Buick Century. We went 88 miles an hour. And I think we landed right here in Dallas, Texas in 1982. Lovely downtown Dallas, Texas. As I, Bill Messer would say. I am very, very sad, Beverly Hills, that my smartphone does not work anymore in December of 1982 because I don't know I don't know where the sportatorium is. <laughs> it's, be- it's in beautiful downtown Dallas, Texas. Just follow Bill Mercer's dulcet tones and you'll find it. Okay, well, you need to tell me where to turn because, yeah, how in 2014 I did look it up on my smartphone for directions <laughs> and I don't see any of, the, any of these towns anymore or any of the street signs anymore, Jack. <laughs> I don't know, man. You just got to let the ghost of all of the world-class stars lead you to the sportatorium. I guess so, well, Daniel. I don't know what to say after that either. <laughs> anyway, everybody, yeah, we are in our four-week series in WCCW in December of 1982. This is episode 51 of World Class Championship Wrestling from the WWE Network. Yes, this, sir. According to the little thingamabob on the network, this is from Friday, December 10th, 1982, but Beverly Hills, as we were talking off air. Okay. I did a little bit of research. Okay, just a little. Just All because, right. we'll, I'll talk about more when it comes up, but I went to worldclasswrestling.info. Okay. Just to, you know, make sure I have my names correctly as proposed. That sounds like a really reputable website. And they said this taping came from three days before, on January, or not, not January, December 7th of 1982. I, cer- I certainly believe that, and I, I feel that probably the one after that well, it's from the same show. Yeah. That, you know how I know? Yeah, the episode that we'll be covering next week, episode right. 52, is from the same taping. Okay. You know how I know? Because there's... A, they're my favorite fan in the front row. Oh, the old lady in the yellow <laughs> shirt? <laughs> no, not her, but I'll get to it. Well, she's my favorite fan, because I noticed her both weeks. We'll talk to my favorite... We'll talk about my favorite fan later in the show. Okay. Then on the WWE Network, for this episode, it said, in the main event... Kevin Von Erich faces King Kong Bundy. A verbal media between Ric Flair and Fritz Von Erich. Great Kabuki <laughs> and more. Yeah! 
So I was kind of I was excited, for, especially for the verbal meeting between Ric Flair and Fritz von Erich. <laughs> yes. So we might I'm as well. So excited. So we might as well get into the show, Jack. Because I already opened up my Mountain Dew Cold Rudd 24-ounce can here in December 1982, Daddy-O. Oh, gosh, I bet it's just hideous. Well, especially, yeah, through with our time travel in my Buick Century. Yeah. yeah. Tastes kind of goofy. Tastes like Agent Orange, but that's all right. <laughs> so, yeah, the show opens up with some uh, slow-motion action, some still shots from Plash shows. Wait, Beverly, I think we got in the right place because I hear the <laughs> classic intro and I hear Bill Mercer welcoming us to the Dallas Sportatorium. Oh, and I see him in a in a maroon turtleneck and a tweed jacket. What's, he was looking lovely. What's your thoughts on his facial hair, Beverly? Oh, it's great. You know, right now I am in the midst of Movember, so I'm growing a mustache for me and my coworkers at school. But if when it's done... In December, I want my beard back, and I want it to look like Bill Mercer's. Because Bill, Mer- I noticed Bill Mercer had a beard without a mustache. Oh, did he really? I guess yeah. I didn't even notice. I, I noticed that because I mustache on the beard. Yeah, because I well, I'm a big f- proponent of beards, Beverly. I, facial <laughs> hair, you know that over the years, yes. and I noticed that on people, and it kind of <laughs> bothers me when people have a beard with no mustache. <laughs> I don't know. Abe Lincoln had a beard without a mustache, and I have a lot of love for him. But was Bill Mercer ever the president of the United States? Well, now that we're in 1982, we would be able to change history, and I want Bill Mercer to be president of the United States. Instead of Ronald Reagan, we should get (laughs) Bill Mercer as president. (laughs) Amazing. We can change the country, Beverly, here in 1982. (laughs) Sounds good to me, man. So then we go to King Kong, or, or Bill Mercer said that King Kong buddy had some has some words, right? So the KKB did have some words, and he mentioned that he was a North American champion, and if he beats a champion later on tonight, who is Kevin Von Erich, he should be able to get a title shot with him later on sometime down the road. Yes, you scrawny little weasel, Kevin Von Erich. When I beat you tonight. You'll have to give me a shot for the American heavyweight belt, you scrawny punk. I love the KKB's promos, Jack. (laughs) They actually weren't too bad. You know, usually when we see maybe from 84, 85 WWF, you're not going to see him talking very much. Kind of had a manager his whole run there. But, um, you know, not too bad from the old uh, Bundy man here in, in... uh, Texas. Maybe uh, the KKB can be the VP with Bill Mercer, Jack. <laughs> Maybe. Then we go to the first match, the spoiler, versus Jose Lothario with a 10-minute time limit. Okay. And Mercer mentioned that uh, a spoiler has also broken from Gary Hart, and he's doing all kinds of crazy things. He's got all new kinds of viciousness. Love the lines from Bill Mercer all night. So was this a face versus face match then? No, I think like, I don't know if I am reading it right. It seems like spoiler and even Bundy, like they're both still heels. They're just not with Gary Hart. Okay. So it's kind of like if you and I break break apart, we're st- uh, I'm still with you, Beverly Hills, but we're not together. 
Yeah, yeah. Because even Mercer kind of mentioned that, like, it could be possible that Spoiler might end up with Gary Hart, just that he's not right now. Okay, makes sense. Then I noticed that when the before the Spoiler showed up, both the referee and Jose were sending autographs. <laughs> I thought that was fantastic. I loved it. I, I saw Jose signing autographs. So I was like, oh, I mean, I get that. I get that. Then they pulled back a little bit, and so was David Manning. <laughs> that made me smile because I know the other the one episode of WCCW we've done probably a few months ago, how I did mention that. I don't know if it was David Manning at, at that time when I noted, noted it, but... I didn't notice before that, yeah, the guys were sending autographs when the, their opponent was coming out. So I'm like, I had, to note, I had to take note of that again. It's good stuff. So we may as well get into the match. There's a bunch of tie-ups and all that. And each, both guys brought each other into the ropes at the start of the bell. Yes. Yeah. I also noted that that uh, Jose Lothario had a side headlock in the spoiler and brought him to the corner for a break. Mm-hmm. And yep. The sp- I, th- I thought Jose... I really thought Jose looked good in this match. Also, I noticed that Jose has horseshoes on his tights, which I'm not exactly sure about. It's like he played for the Indianapolis Colts. Well, we can always ask a few of the fans here after we do this podcast. <laughs> what Jose's deal with the horseshoes. I thought maybe he was trying to be lucky. Well, we we were lucky to be able to go 88 miles an hour in my Buick and still fly back in time. Yeah, you're right. I did notice that we were getting a bunch of weird looks from people when we have a future car. <laughs> yeah, right, a future car. It looks exactly the same as what's going on at 82. And I'm surprised people have asked us, what's this uh, big old microphone thing that we're talking into? What's this, uh, what's this uh, L-shaped monitor thing that we're also talking into as well? Oh, dirty dog. Oh, dirty Yeah, I did note that the, uh, the spoiler gave a horrible-looking tip toss. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I thought maybe that was just kind of like a beal. I kind of liked it, eh, to be honest with you. And I did note that, uh, to see, uh, the spoiler put Jose Lothario in an arm tied behind his back bear hug. Right. And was yep, punching, and he, punch him in the left side of the ribs, yep, which, and which I, I thought like, was neat. I, I, Oh, sorry. So, yep. I agree. Because I think that's something that, like, it's, you know, it's it's like when we talk about, um, like, abdominal stretches and stuff. Like, you can take a boring move or a rest move and you can make it cool. You know, it doesn't have to be just something boring. Like, yeah, take it, put him in the bear hug and punch his guts. You know, it makes it look cool. It makes it um, not as just kind of boring, you know. Yeah, because I didn't like the fact that, yeah, spoiler changed up a little bit to make it seem interesting and work on another body part while he was squeezed in the back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and it's all kind of just like a constricting move, so it makes sense that you would hit the ribs because that is where you're trying to breathe, you know, too. Yeah, to, yeah, to take take the breath away from Jose Lothario. Mm-hmm, exactly. I noted that uh, there was some uh, hard right hand from Lothario after the spoiler ran the ropes. I thought Jose's punches looked awesome. I th- just through the whole match, his punches looked really crisp and really like on. I liked uh, whenever he. I mean, that's basically the only move he throws is punches, and they all look really good. So I guess you're only going to do one thing, do it really well. True, yeah, which I agree with. The spoiler mm-hmm. chokes uh, Jose on the top rope with, and then punches in the midsection. Yep. 
Yep. And he's trying to trying to move on on the ropes. That's kind of his deal is to get up on the ropes. And I liked when uh, Bill says he walks the ropes in the manner of an acrobat. <laughs> <laughs> I know we talked about this before uh, the other episode of WCCW that we covered, but I don't think Bill was really that bad on this episode by himself. He wasn't too bad. But yeah, well, yeah, for 1982, I'm not going to complain. So then uh, J.L. Jose uh, worked on the left leg of the spoiler. Oh, yeah, I like the, those moves too. So, uh, yeah, do you have any other notes up to the finish, Beverly? Yes, because right before this is when my most favorite fan makes his first appearance and I first noticed him. So there's this really, really old man, like 80 years old. And he's sitting in the front row, and he's wearing red pants, a red button-up shirt, and a red hat. And when Jose Lothario is making a comeback, he is literally shaking. He's just like, just shaking back and forth with so so much excitement that Jose could make a comeback and possibly beat the spoiler. It made me so happy. Well, because I don't don't remember where. I saw my favorite fan in this episode, but, <laughs> but I did see a, a old granny in a, like a yellow shirt in this episode with you know gray kind of curly hair and all that and the yellow shirt like like she is a beautiful old lady in 1982. <laughs> I'm gonna have a, a question for you on an older gal later. See what you're thinking about it, okay. but that's for later. But, I um, did want to ask you this. this match. I did want to ask you this. Yes, Bill says that. Jose is a quote-unquote popular Mexican wrestler. Does this make him more or less exciting or popular than your average wrestler? Average regular wrestler or average Mexican wrestler? Well, I'm just saying he goes, Jose Lothario is a popular Mexican wrestler. I'm just asking you. Well, I don't know that many more other Mexican wrestlers here in 1982, <laughs> so I guess Bill Mercer is correct. All right, all right, all right. Okay, so now you can get to the finish. Now yeah. I think we're ready. So yeah, both guys got themselves double counted out. Yeah, they're kind of fighting back and forth. It looked like um, Spoiler wanted to kind of set up like a suplex to the outside or something like that. Yeah, I I didn't take the note one how they got themselves double coated okay. out. So yep. And did you notice like what David Manning's explanation for the countout was? No, I didn't catch that. Because spoiler was seemed very confused, and David Manning, who by the way is one of the loudest referees on record in my opinion, he's so loud. Um, he says that it's a 20 count on the floor, but it's only a 10 count on the apron. So that's what I counted out. That, okay then, David Manning. Yep. I gave this match a one-half star. Oh, man. I really liked this match. I gave this match two and three-quarter stars. Okay. I'll, I'll, explain, I'll explain why I gave this a half star, Beverly. Okay, go ahead. This match was a little bit dry for me. Okay. But I did note the crowd was pretty into this match, which I appreciated, which kind of helped me get through the match. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know if that 
is what really helped me. I thought it was just, you know, quick action. The six minutes really flew by for me. Um, you know, solid fundamentals. Like, I really thought the punches looked crisp. Everything looked good. Um, so, yeah, I just, I don't know. I had a great time in these six minutes. We had the red clothes man. Yes. So we'll, we'll be right back. We're going to a quick commercial break. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Can I get one of those woo tickets? Excuse me? One of those woo tickets. It's not woo, it's woo! 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 Introducing Ric Flair's new woo! Scratch off ticket for the North Carolina Educational Lottery with a top prize of $100,000. It's enough to make anyone say, And we're back from the commercial break, Daddy-O. And we come back from a commercial break with Bill Mercer, and he mentions that there would be a fan choice on a second referee for the NWA World Heavyweight title match between Ric Flair and Von Erich in a few weeks. Yes, and we went to one of the greatest interview segments of all time. At first I was very confused over, over who was there. I thought it might have been Al Madrill, but in fact, it was David Manning and Bronco Lubitsch, the two referees of World Class Wrestling. I, out of the two, I like David a lot more. Okay. Well, that's just my opinion, though. Okay. Well, we'll get to why you, I, I would agree. So they set up that they need two matches, or two, sorry, two referees, and that David is very adamant that he is now on Alfred Neely. Whoever Alfred Neely is, he does not want him as the second referee. So they decided they were going to put it to a fan vote, and the four options were Duke Kiyomuka, Wild Bull Curry, Ken Mantell, and Michael Hayes. And I thought this was a classic voting technique, because if you're a fan, who are you going to vote for out of those four? Like, really? Uh, Michael PSAs. Well, exactly, because like, do the, all those other three ones were like, I mean, Duke Kiyomuka and Wild Bill Curry were both pretty good big stars, but like fifteen years before, like Ken Man- and Ken Mantell was never like a huge, really huge star. And then the and I just wrote classic voting technique to put like one really good option. And then one, like, crappy out. Or, like, one really good and then the rest crappy. That's, like, back when they did Taboo Tuesday. Yeah. And they would do, like, what kind of match do you want? Hell in a Cell? Uh, arm Wrestling Challenge? Or Verbal Debate? Or, <laughs> or I, I know they've been doing something similar to that nowadays. Like, do you want to see a street fight? A last man standing match? Oh, yeah. Or a follows count anywhere a match, which that's, is pretty much all the, the same. Right. The other technique is to have all the same. Yeah. So th- those are either your two. Either you put one and the other really crappy, or you have just de- various de- uh, derivations of the same deal. Yeah. Then we go ringside with Gary Hart. And well, his... well, I'm not done. Oh, I'm, not okay. done. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, Beverly. I'm sorry, Beverly. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. So <laughs> David goes... Michael Hayes won by a large majority and will be the special referee. And then Bill goes, who's won? <laughs> oh, Bill Mercer. And David goes, uh, Michael won. <laughs> I can tell Bill wasn't paying attention. Yeah, I know. And then Bill was, so then 
Bill's like, well, do we know which one of you two are going to be the ref? And David's like, well, I don't know. We, we'll figure it out on the night. And then Bronco gets the mic, and I think he's kind of, like, tried to, um, like, petition for himself. He's like, I'm the only one who has refereed two world title changes. I am most experienced. And I'm like, oh, my God, Bronco Lubich is, like, campaigning right now. Yeah, which, which did make me laugh. <laughs> yes, that, that that's when uh, Bill kind of wraps it up. They both hope that Carrie wins. Yes, even though there's going to be no partialism involved, according to them. Which I get. Which we'll be looking forward to here in a few weeks. Yes, yes, we will. Then we go ringside with Gary Hart and he's his three guys. Which I did not catch who they were. Beverly, who were those three guys with Gary Hart? Well, he describes these as the greatest three men in wrestling. The Fabulous Kabuki, the Magic Dragon, and the Checkmate. Well, I thought when Gary Hart said the three greatest guys in professional wrestling, I hope, thought he was going to say Mr. Beverly Hills, 90210, the Dirty <laughs> Dog Darcy, and Brian Alvarez. <laughs> I guess not. Nope. Fabulous Kabuki, Magic Dragon, and the and the the checkmate. Then we get get to see again King Kong Bundy. Yeah, King Kong Bundy comes and interrupts. So apparently, what they're kind of setting up here is that there's a six man tag team tournament coming up. So Gary Howard is entering these three guys: Kabuki, Magic Dragon, and the checkmate. And then Bundy comes and he says he's entering. Who who does he have? Did Bundy you catch? Had, I did take note. Okay. It's going to be Bundy, the spoiler, and Bill Irwin. Right. And I put my money on those three guys. That's a good group, in my opinion. Yeah. Then we go to <laughs> we go to see another. See. No. They, they talk. Didn't you catch what they said was going to be the prize for this tournament? No, I did not catch that. Oh, my gosh. It better, not, it better not be my Buick Century, Beverly. Well, it almost is. Bundy says that he, Irwin, and Spoiler are going to win because they're going to win $50,000, a Mercedes SL600, and then, get this, Bundy, Bill Irwin, and the Spoiler, and three lovely ladies are going to pile into this freaking Mercedes and drive down the road. And I just thought to myself, how is there any chance that these three giant men and three women are going to fit into a Mercedes SL60? Beverly, when we're done here in Dallas in a three, in three weeks, it's going to be you and Mrs. Hills in the front. And in the backseat, Daddy-O, it's going to be me Precious and sunshine. Oh, dirty dog. And we're going to go 88 miles an hour. And we're going back <laughs> to 2014, Daddy-O. Yes, yes. And then Gary finished that whole, that whole segment. I was saying he's like, no matter if I win or if your team Bundy wins, Gary Hart is going to be smelling sweet. <laughs> is he going to be as sweet as sweet, sweet sapphire? I believe so. Good. Then we go to see another three men who I did not know who they were, and they put themselves over in the tournament. So this is Al Madrill, Brian Adias, and Bugsy McGraw. Okay. And I just wrote that I thought I thought Bugsy. I you know this is eighty two, so it's happening around the same time. But for me, Bugsy really comes across as a Dusty Rhodes 
imitation. Oh. I, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't around in 82, so I don't really know if it happened independently of each other, If even if he was first. But to me, it really seemed like he was coming across like a fake Dusty Rhodes. Then we must- when he goes, when he... When he goes, it's going to be kicking, scratching, get it. I was like, well, this is a fake Dusty right here. Yeah, I might as well talk about talk about it now then. Okay. For this next match, I did not know who was who until I, lo- <laughs> until I went to the World Class website and found out who these six men were. Oh, I guess I figured it out. Cause I, well, I figured out who the bad guys were during the match. I did not know right. who the faces were. Okay. So I had to go up online and figure it out and how I mentioned before with the previous world-class t- TV that we watched and, you know, compared to this one, this episode did a horrible job compared to the other episode on <laughs> giving us uh, the commercial outros on who's going to be coming up next. Oh, sorry, man. You're going to ask me. I told you. But, <laughs> but we weren't watching this together, Jack. Right on, right on, right on. So, but... I was peeled about that, and they kind of mentioned the names rather quickly. You know, I I was watching this episode when my niece was up, so I didn't want to hurt and keep pausing like every half second just to write down the name when my niece is up and get her frustrated. Like, why are you pausing it a bunch of times, Uncle Uncle Dog? All right, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I just thought I thought it was unfortunate that everyone now everyone keeps calling Brian Adidas Brian Adidas like the clothing brand. Oh. I showed that's not his name. It's Adidas, no second D, not like Dirty Dog. Bill Mercer, Bill Mercer kept calling him Brian Adidas, and I wanted to throw this little dog figurine that I have. <laughs> Through the screen at Bill Mercer into 1982. Think of it. I know I did mention the older lady earlier in the episode. I guess I noted during this match that this is when we see the, my favorite fan, this old lady in the yellow shirt. Oh, my gosh. This is your favorite because this is the one I wrote down. Yeah, it's her this I was is, talking about. This is the lady where it says she has a shirt that says, I'm not getting older, I'm getting better. Yes. That's that, the that, one. That's why I like that's it. That's what I wanted really. you to, to ask you about. I said that she is rather large in the chest area. She's way hotter than Tori, and I wanted to know what your thoughts were on this lady. Beverly, between you and I and the main event status radio fans. <laughs> you know, with Mrs. Hills with us here in December 1982 <laughs> in Dallas, Sporatorium. If I can I get Precious and Sunshine back home with us in 2014 in Minnesota, I might have to bring them home this older lady. I love it. I just love that shirt. I want a shirt that says, I'm not getting older, I'm getting better. <laughs> should, should you and I get, get a couple of shirts printed out for Mama Hills and Mama D? Yes, I think that's amazing. I just, I just love it so much. I laughed so much when I saw it. Okay, let's get into this match yeah, here. As I say, I'll let, I'll let you talk about this match because you knew who all six guys were, and I'll jump in with notes that I wrote down after I found out who was who. All right, sounds good. So uh, Kabuki and Adidas started out. Uh, Mercer was still calling him Adidas. <laughs> I just wrote that I wouldn't want to wrestle great Kabuki after he like spits his green mist and his, rubs it on his hands. His hands are all green. I know. I think that'd be gross and messy. I'm, I'm sure it's all just like sugary stuff, and I really wouldn't want him rubbing it on me. Um, Adidas tried to work a wrist clock. 
but uh, Kabuki pulled it into a monkey flip, which I, th- sorry, which I thought looked really good. Um, Brian tagged out to Bugsy. He came in. I really do not like Bugsy at all. He's like dancing around and trying to do just. I, I did not like him. He was bad. Um, this is when they cut to the older lady with the I'm not getting older, I'm getting better shirt, which I love. Just wrote way hotter than Tori. Um, I'll, I'll give you that, Jack. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't know um, Don right on that time that Dragon is he. Well, yeah, Dragon was on the bad end of a nice back body drop. Yep, and I yep I and uh, that's also the time where I really liked uh, Adias's drop kick. He threw an awesome drop kick. Um, during the next couple minutes is where I did a lot of research on Checkmate because I wanted to figure out who that was, like who portrayed Checkmate, and I found out it, that it's this uh, British wrestler named Tony Charles. Um, most likely, some people said it was Les Thornton who um, wrestled a lot in Mid-Atlantic. But then I started doing a lot of research on the Isle of Man, because that's apparently where Czech oh, made yeah, us yeah. from. <laughs> so I just was like wikipedia Isle of Man. Do you find anything? Oh, no, that, well, I found out that the Isle of Man used to be pretty big on fishing and um, also agriculture. But more recently, it's kind of became a home for... Uh, offshore banking so we might have to put all of the large uh the coffers of main event status all our all our money in isle of man so that we can uh, grow it and uh get it away from the pesky american government brother i think that i think we can do that daddy oh <laughs> after we get done with this episode you don't need to talk to the main event status accountant and get us into all our money over the isle of Man. <laughs> okay. Um, so Al Madrill came in uh through what Bill Mercer called a flying shoulder butt <laughs> onto um Checkmate. You know, I kinda like Checkmate. What was your thoughts on Checkmate? I liked him a lot. I know I yeah, 'cause I know one of the notes I did read with Don about Checkmate was that he put on a spinning tool hold on one of the other one of the dudes in the red trunks. But I really did like him a lot, you know, because, you know, like you said, I can kind of tell now that he was a British wrestler with, you know, some of the moves that he put on. Yeah. And I found his mask to be very, very interesting, Beverly Hills. Well, I I guess I didn't really understand it at first, like, why he had, like, a tiger mask. But then Bill apparently explained that it is a Manx cat, which is a cat that lives in the Isle of Man. Because I really like like the mask, since I, I, I guess here in the United States, we don't, for masks, superstars, we never really see any animal mask on them. <laughs> yeah, that's most, that's kind of like a Mexican wrestling thing, yeah. So yeah, I guess that makes sense, I really haven't watched that much Mexican wrestling, so. Mm-hmm. Right, yep, so. Uh, uh, before you continue on Beverly Hills, okay, okay. since you would talk, we're talking about Mexican wrestlers, Okay. And we're here down in Dallas, very, very, very close to Mexico. Right. We better not catch Ebola. And what <laughs> That's are we? Africa, dirty dog. But Ebola is also here in Dallas, Jack. <laughs> and when we're here in Dallas. <laughs> Eric Thomas Duncan. He's, I'm done with him. Okay, whatever. But when we're here in Dallas, we might as well offer up a deal. 
with a Mexican radio. <laughs> or we can get Native and Status Radio on a Mexican radio. Then we might need to rename our podcast to Main Event Status Mexican Radio. <laughs> okay. Let's continue on the match, Jack. All right. Sounds good. Um, <laughs> so Bugsy came in after uh, Al threw the flag shoulder butt. Um, and uh, he's he's working on Magic Dragon a little bit. But Magic Dragon comes back with a lot of overhead chops. It's basically just like, shop, shop. Shop, shop. Um, but then Bugsy hulked up. <laughs> hit oh, a slam. I don't. I noticed that. Yeah, Bugsy yeah. bugsed up. <laughs> yeah, he hit a slam and but missed the elbow. And then Checkmate came in, and I love. I love this. Is like my favorite part of Checkmate. He comes in and he immediately starts to like. Um, cower off like back up and stuff like he doesn't want to get hit i just love it and then he just kind of like randomly took over like bugsy just like sat down and then checkmate started beating on him it was so crazy yeah because i know i didn't know that uh that right right before bugsy hulked up that yes. that noted that most of the dudes got in the ring and the in the match becomes a hockey match Okay. Not not really, but a brawl broke for about thirty seconds. Yes, it did. Yeah, I, I wrote I wrote that bad joke. Finish. I wrote that bad joke like I may as well share it on the podcast <laughs> and see if I get any kind of reaction out of you. And I kind of expected to, you to no sell it. Sorry, buddy. That's so then we kind of went to the we kind of went to the finish. But before that, I want to notice that okay, Kabuki, he's supposed to be like a karate master or whatever. He's wearing like legit sweatpants. Like those are just sweatpants. They aren't like karate pants. They're just like my dad's sweatpants from 1982. If if I was a pro wrestler, Beverly Hills, my current body type, I won't wear tights either. <laughs> but here's but I would hope you would have the seamstress make you like some wrestling pants. Like you wouldn't just go to Kmart or the five and dime and buy some gray sweatpants like Kabuki was wearing. Yeah, I can see I might get some uh, wrestling tights or wrestling sweatpants made up kinda like like the road dogs. See, that's a different thing. Like uh, Magic Dragon was wearing those kind of pants and he didn't look like a putz like uh, Kabuki did. But that led us to the finish. Do you want to take it? Well, as I say, uh, that, uh, yeah, like you said, Bugsy seemed to hulk up a little bit with Magic yep. Dragon. The Dragon uh, nailed him with a uh, top of the head with a bunch of elbows, like you mentioned. Yep. Mm-hmm. Bugsy hit a body slam. Mm-hmm. And I do not know how the heels won. Oh, well, that was that was back when I talked about that. Bugsy hit that slam, then he missed the elbow. Yes. Um, but then it kind of broke down again into a brawl. Kabuki came off the top with a knee onto Adias. Um that my favorite fan, the man in red, he was jumping up and down with anger when this happened. And uh, Magic Dragon covered Adias for the pin. And yes, the heels, Trackmate Kabuki and a Magic Dragon one. And Beverly Hills, I rated this match three fourths of a star. I gave it a star and a quarter. It it uh it was kind of meandering. It wasn't really long. It wasn't super long, but um, it just didn't really seem to have a story. It kind of just ended. You know, uh, you know it, it was kind of just fits and starts. Like we'd have a heel control part, and then the faces would come in, take control for a second, just kind of repeated. Then all of a sudden, it was over. Yeah, for, um, yeah, for me, I thought 
Well, for me, the match hurt when I really didn't know who the guys were until midway well, through the yeah. match. Right. I mean, and that would be, that would make sense. That well, the make- match seemed decent. You know, what helped me out like with the first match is the fans were very, very, very into the match. Yeah. Which helped me bump it up a little bit higher, a little bit higher than what I probably would have rated it. Right, right. Beverly Hills. Let's go to another, another quick, quick commercial break. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Oh, please come on down, Munchie. I need help. Don't worry, missus. I got this. Stand back, please. Fella! How can I ever repay you? Don't mention it. I'll pardon you. 1-800-FELLA. Help is just a broke kick away. Goxie! All right, we're back from commercial, and we're entering maybe not the main event match of this episode, but probably the most important event which took place on... Oh, I was going to set you up, and you came in early. I was going to say, this is the time for Dirty Dog to crack the old Mountain Dew, because um, we're we're hitting... This is their main event angle. We're hitting Fritz Von Erich versus Ric Flair in a... Verbal debate. I I am excited for this, Jack. So I did write I down. I was too. I did write down that I guess Ric Flair paid money to take on Von Erich. Yeah, this the story as it kind of goes is that apparently a bounty was paid um, to take out Kerry Von Erich. I think the story is that they had a match earlier in the year, and um, kind of between that time. Flair has apparently paid the heels, I think, especially like Gary Hart and his crew, um, to try to take out Carrie. And uh, I guess what would have happened maybe in the couple weeks prior to this is that they found some checks or some documentation that seems to confirm that Flair did that. I want to get your thoughts before we kind of talk about the promo and before I actually play the audio for the, for the promo. Oh, right on. I want to get your thoughts on Ric Flair's and and Fritz von Erickson's suit jackets. Were they because, both wearing plaid? Yeah, both were very wearing plaid. I can tell this was the eighties because oh, yeah, Fritz sure. Fritz was wearing a blue you know, a blue plaid shirt uh, jacket, you know, like a blue, you know, blue base and a light blue, you know, you know pattern Check, marks. Yeah. Yep. Then uh then Flitter was wearing wearing like a what a brown one and like orange uh pattern or whatever. Yep, that, I would call it that. Which, which, you know, Beverly, you know, I'm a big uh, plaid guy. I, I like, <laughs> I like my plaid, and I'm like, since we're here in Dallas in 1982, I might have to take, take home some 80s suits. Maybe even I might have to visit the old, uh, the old big and tall section. I don't know. Um, you, you and I can do that before we leave Dallas nice. here in a few weeks. <laughs> Did you then notice when, if when you were looking at Flair? Um, must have been very quickly after a match of Flair. Oh, I noticed he was extremely sweaty. I, I was wondering why he oh, was so sweaty. 
Well, I was referring to the fact uh, his head looked uh, that it had recently been cut. Well, I noticed his forehead. Yeah, I noticed his forehead because I noticed it was extremely, yeah. extremely shiny. And I guess you know, I, th- I think that was Vaseline. Actually, it was it? You think like, so? Okay. Just to, would just to work on. I, cuts. I, guess, I guess that make that would make sense. Why it seemed like just that part what well, seemed really wet. Yeah. Looking. Yeah, I, I'm wondering if this is right after a show or something that they um, taped this. Because, yeah, he's got, yeah, what looks to be Vaseline. His head looks like it's just been cut. Um, and Makes then his sense. eye is kind of, he's kind of got a black eye going on, too. So Makes sense. But yeah. as I say, I I think I mentioned this off here. If not, I may have mentioned it on here already. But, you know, first viewing of this promo you know, between these two, I felt like Flair definitely carried it. In the second and third time I listened to this, I felt like Fritz got better and better with each time. But not but Flitter still definitely carried carry the promo. Sure, I sure. Yeah. I could see I could definitely see like coming in cold, like never seeing it before, where you might think that Flair is the kind of leading this or whatever, but yeah, kinda as you as you read it and kind of as you put yourself in the time period I think you see more that that Fritz kind of had a pretty big role too, just because like you know if you think about it right, like this is played in the Dallas market. Um, Fritz has got to come across good because he's their guy, you know. And I think he did. I think he did a good job here. It did, did make me laugh that Flair, you know, when Flair Flair's part of the promo, he's like, Fritz von Eric, you're six foot seven, two hundred and ninety pounds of you. <laughs> yeah, like Flair was about to challenge him to a wrestling match, like, like. This is why I love Ric Flair promos. Oh, class, classic Flair, classic flares to put over the other guy. You know he's gonna he's gonna get himself over, but he's always gonna put the the other guy over in that as well. You know, and he could be cutting a promo on freaking Rocky King in a few years, and he'd be like, "Rocky King, you're cut from granite." You know, he'll never just straight up bury someone. And just be like, oh, you know, you're a piece of garbage, you're trash, you're trash in the ring, you're trash looking, whatever. He'll always give them something. I know. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. I'm sorry. I know we mentioned before on the podcast that that's one thing to mark. That's a good mark towards a great promo, dude, was building the building up whoever his opponent is. That if he loses to this guy that he built up, he lost to somebody. Yep. If, if he defeats this person, he lost. He beat somebody. But if mm-hmm. you, but let's say if Beverly, if you and I are going into the Royal Rumble to to fight for the WWE title, and I say that you're just a piece of trash, and you right. beat me, I lost to a piece of trash. What does that make me? Mm-hmm, exactly. And like, you see, Flair even goes to the, he even goes the measure to put over the dad of the of the his opponent. Um, because he knows that in Dallas, Flair's still a pretty, or stop Flair, Fritz is still a big deal. Like, even though he hasn't, you know, wrestled in a long time, he's still a big deal. And the, the people of Dallas will be like, yeah, you know, he respects, or he's scared, you know, of Fritz to the point where, you know, he knows how big he is. Yeah, because I know before we leave Dallas here in the next few weeks, we should ask around about how huge the Von Erich family is here in Dallas in 1982. Right. Mm-hmm. So I know mm-hmm. I did write down that it seemed like Von Erich was looking off screen a lot, maybe reading something. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, I associate it seemed like to me, and he said, I wrote the first time around, this is when I took the notes, that 
I swore Fritz said something about a conspiracy that there mm-hmm. will be a new world heavyweight champion. Well, he he said that the the conspiracy was the whole bounty thing. Okay, okay, that's why I kind of that thought. Flair that Flair had set up a conspiracy to try to make it that Kerry wouldn't win. Okay, right. Yeah, I, yeah I wanted wanted to ask. So right, I really liked the line where Fritz said that the only that the best ability Flair has is his tongue. <laughs> yeah, so that's the only reason why he's a world heavyweight champion. Yeah, and he won't be needing that in a cage match. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then we get a split screen between Father Von Eric and Flair, and yes. Flair yells and screams a lot. Yep. And that you put me in a cage. Someone's gonna get hurt. Yeah, Flair said the people have the nerve for false claims. Mm-hmm. Then uh, Father Von Eric threatened Flair. Yep, he wanted his hands around Flair's back. And you know, like you said, the Flair said that someone will get hurt if they put him in a cage with this with the <laughs> yep. son Von Eric. Mm-hmm. Care, and, yeah. and Flair said that he doesn't care about what price he has to pay to be the world heavyweight champion, but he William will. Drop the classic. I don't mind bleeding and sweating and paying the price. Yeah, that. Yeah, he said he will hold on to the title for a very, very, very long time. Right. And Beverly, I know I mentioned this before before we started recording the show, but I was able to find this promo on YouTube. Cool. And so I'm gonna so we're gonna do a quick pause for I can be able to drop in the audio of the promo for you fans can listen to the promo right along with us. Fritz von Erich has wanted to confront Ric Flair, the world heavyweight champion, with this bounty situation, the bounty that Flair paid to have Kerry Hurt. So we have them in separate studios. Let's go right now to them. Uh, Fritz, can uh, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Okay. I can hear you just fine, Bill. Good to see you today. And I want to move over now to Ric Flair. Can you uh, hear me okay, Rick? I can hear you, brother. Let's remember one thing. I'm a busy man. My time's worth a lot of money. If you've got something to say, let's get it over with. All right, let's move right into this then. Ric Flair, now based on the evidence of the check presented to the NWA and the fact that there is going to be a rematch, a, another heavyweight championship bout with you and Kerry, are you ready today to admit the bounty, to admit that you asked for the bounty to get Kerry hurt? Let's get one thing straight. Everybody seems to be drawing the conclusion that I paid Gary Hart a bounty to do something to Fritz Von Erich's boy, Kerry Von Erich, in an attempt to eliminate him from the championship picture. I will never admit to this. I'm the world heavyweight champion. I'm one of the wealthiest athletes alive. I wear the finest clothes, date the most beautiful women, driving the biggest cars, and I'm the toughest piece of work in pro wrestling. And Fritz Von Erich, Southwest Sports, the NWA, nobody else is going to stand here and accuse me of something until I admit it. You better believe it didn't happen. Fritz, what's your response to that now? In there somewhere was an answer, but I'm not sure exactly what he said, except he would not admit it. Bill, I've always had trouble responding to morons in the first place. This guy doesn't make any sense at all. He's only defending himself for an action that he knows that he that took place. There's no question about that. This is this proof would stand up in any court in the United States, and it certainly did stand up in the National Wrestling Alliance. This man represents... The belt of the National Wrestling Alliance, which is the largest wrestling organization in the world, by far the biggest. He is the symbol carrier. This man wears the belt and says, I'm the best in professional wrestling. When my son, Kerry, should be the world champion right now, there's no question about it. Kerry Vonerich will soon have him back in this ring. And with the stipulations right now that have been added as a result of the proven conspiracy of Ric Flair should be 
very shortly, the new world heavyweight champion. I tell you what I'm going to do. Put that camera back on me for a minute. And I wish I was in the same studio right now with you, Fritz von Erich, and could look you right in the eye when you hear what I've got to say. And I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go one step further than anybody here on this television program expected me to do. Assuming that maybe I paid a bounty to get rid of your kid. Obviously, I've had good reason to do anything I wanted to do. You had a lot of nerve. He has a lot of nerve. The whole state of Texas had a lot of nerve calling him the uncrowned world champion because I wouldn't defend my title. Now you've got as far as to put me, the most gorgeous human being and one of the greatest athletes alive in a cage match in the reunion. Hold it, you moron. Listen to me. If I was anywhere near you right now, I would be right there getting you by the throat. You would no longer be a contender yourself. Yeah. Because you wouldn't be there. Well, let me you. tell you something, all six foot seven and 280 pounds of you. You gotta remember one thing. You want the cage match. The NWA wants the cage match. Your kid wants the cage match. And brother, you look me in the face and remember this. You put me in a cage and try to take my life away from me. The only attribute that you have to be a world champion is that big, massive tongue. That tongue won't be a factor in that ring. Partner, yeah. you can leave that in the dressing room. It'll be two physical bodies in that ring. Only one is coming out the champion. And I'm going to end this asinine thing right here and now. My son, Kerry, will be the next world heavyweight champion. So enjoy it while you can. And let me end this my side of a one way by saying this. I don't like bleeding, and I don't like sweating, and I don't like paying the price to be where I am. And Von Eric, I'm talking to you, Kerry, and I'm talking to you, Fritz. You wanted the match, now you accept the consequences, because this is going to stay mine for a long, long time. Woo! Cut that camera, that's enough of that. And we're back, Jack. I hope you guys <laughs> liked like the promo. Hopefully, Beverly and I described it fairly, very well. If not, guys, just go and find it on YouTube for you guys can watch watch the uh, watch the video along with the audio. If not, you're a moron. Yeah, uh, like Fritz called Flair, you moron. So what? What does that make his son and all that? A, a beater, a beater of morons. <laughs> I guess, I guess. Yeah, then we could come back with uh, Kevin, who uh, yep. has a promo about being the North American champion. Yes, he's going to prove himself. And he said that King Kong Bunny had a big belly. <laughs> I guess I'm happy that you and I didn't face Kevin, because I'm sure he'll call us out about that, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. Nope. Then yeah, we might as well go into the main event of the night, Kevin Von Erich versus King Kong Bunny in a 15-minute time limit match. You got it. And, uh, okay, first off, I'll, this is a point that um, I wanted to make through the whole thing. Uh, some of these places where people are billed from are really odd, okay? Did you catch where Bundy was billed from here? I did not know. Nome, Alaska. <laughs> okay? Um, the spoiler was billed from Singapore. <laughs> 
I, okay, I feel like Gary Hart just like stumbled upon an atlas or something. Well, he just opened he was it up. Probably, he was probably booking at this time. So he's like looking through. He's like, ooh, that sounds cool. Nome, Alaska. Macau is from was where Magic Dragon is built from. <laughs> they all are from weird places. Yes. I know one, one of the first notes about this match is that I know I, I think most of Von Eric's were like this, but Kevin wasn't wearing any boots or knee pads or anything. Yep. And I noted, I hope Bundy steps on his feet. <laughs> yeah. And talking about footwear and such, what's yes. your thoughts on Bundy wearing white boots? Oh my gosh, I wrote that down. It looked so strange. It looked so different. And, you know, usually I tell you, right, like I here I am being a hypocrite. Usually I go, well, it's inconsequential, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. But the white boots were so distracting to me. Because I, I never noted or noticed the color of boots Bundy ever wears. And any, any Ross matches, I watched him perform. Yeah, you know, I'm assuming they're usually black. Yeah, I, I assume so. But yeah, this is the first time I noticed what color Bundy's boots were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was weird. I... Like I said, I take back any comments I made about you noticing differences in people's attire because that was weird to me. How do you like me now, Beverly Hills? Or should I say... Well, look at you. I thought maybe we'll just get a, a you're forgiven comment, but here you go. Thank you, thank you Beverly Hills. Thank All you. Right. All so right. I may as well get into this match. I one of the first noticed I... One of the first things I noticed was that Kevin Von Erich... Oh, sorry. Yeah, Kevin Von Erich hit a beautiful drop kick right away on KKB. Mm-hmm. I liked his strategy early that he was, um, yeah, going to try to like soften him up with some flying attacks, a lot of flying knees, some kicks, and then yeah, that nice drop kick that you said. But Bundy came back with a really huge knee. I liked that. And then, um, sorry, Kevin tried to pull around. Bundy to set him up for a move, and Mercer dropped one of my favorite lines. That's like trying to pull a battleship with a rowboat. <laughs> so no, I didn't notice too that. Yeah, well, not about what Mercer said, but I did notice that Bundy likes to yell at the crowd and interact with the yeah. crowd, and yes, that's one thing I like about my heels is okay. if they if they have the advantage to interact with the interact with the fans to get them riled yes. up. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, then uh, then one of my notes I wrote down is that uh, Von Eric hit a nice palm strike on KKB uh-huh. in the corner. Yes, I like that as well. Uh huh. And uh, then Kevin got the claw on in the corner, and the, and really the story of this match is can Kevin get the claw on? Um, because that's the Von Eric move is the Iron Claw. Um, but in that case, it was in the in the legal position, so that got broken up. Yeah. Um, and then next, Bundy got Kevin down. I thought this was really cool. As he was like just over him trying to pick it up, Kevin got the claw on him. Well, and wasn't wasn't the reverse chin lock or whatever? Yes. Uh huh. Yep. He he reached up and turned it over into the claw. I liked that. Yeah. Which I noted that too. And that was that was pr- pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And all that I. I that's something I like and enjoy my professional wrestling is counter counter wrestling like that, chain wrestling mm-hmm. like that. Yep. Yep. And I like 
I, re- you know, I really like it when different different wrestlers do this. When you can put your finisher on from various places, oh. you, you know, um, you, it doesn't always have to be the same setup every time. Which I guess you know, there are ones that that didn't happen. You know, kind of like the Stone Cold Stunner it gets to be kind of predictable. You know, it always starts with the kick. And then the you know move or whatever. Yeah. Um, I like the ones that can kind of come out from different different uh, places. I know some so. some of my favorites were are like the Jake the Snake's DDT or right. Diamond Dallas Pages and Randy Orton's Diamond Cutter slash RKO. You know that? Well, I know DDT uh-huh. made it famous. In, you know, Page made it famous in the '90s, and Orton starting to do that now with the RKO vines are coming popular yeah, on Twitter and right. all that that both guys would yeah just like to nail the nail the cutter out of any anywhere and everywhere. Which yes. I think is cool that, you know, especially the their move is, you know, like a second and bam, you know, the match can be over in three seconds after that. Right. But, you know, it's cool that, you know, finishers like, you know, the DDT or the cutter that you know, once it gets hit within four seconds after they the start of the move, the match could be over. Yes. Which is I like it, like you said, with the stunner from Stone Cold or the pedigree from Triple H. You know, you yep. it's kind of hard to really do to out of anywhere how you need the initial kick to the gut or whatever for the guy to bend, kind of slump over to connect to finish the move. Okay, I agree. Then, yeah, then uh, I did not see uh, uh, the reverse. Wasn't there a uh, armpit claw in this match somewhere? Our pit claw. I did not notice. Okay, pit must, claw. might be the next episode that that about that. But but uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Then there are reverse chin lock on Kevin in the middle of the ring, yep. and all that. Then uh, Kevin tries to get out, but Bunny brings him back to the brings him back down to the mat. Then I wanted to talk about the beautiful ref bump gorilla. <laughs> okay. Over, you know, the ref yeah, got good. sent over the top rope. And Bundy yeah. sent Von Eric over the top rope as well. Which which yeah. Mercer said it would, would be a, normally would be a disqualification, but the referee did not see it. Yes, exactly. Yep. Then, yeah, then uh, Bundy brought him back, brought Kevin back in with a suplex, and the referee came back in and, and counted three count. Yes, so Bundy is your victor. And I ready this match two and one half stars, Beverly. All right. I was close with you. Two and seven eighths because this is my favorite match of the night. So I wanted to put it slightly above Jose versus Spoiler. Yeah, because I know for me, out of the world class that we've watched so far, you know, for the podcast and, you know, when we were back, you know, when we were still in college, this probably has to be my favorite match that that, that I've watched. And like what you said, you know, this match told the story you know like when can kevin put on the claw and the backstory that we saw earlier in the night bundy wants to win to be able to get you know face kevin again for the north american title that he wants to held so that's right. it's all about mm-hmm. wanting to be the champion once again yep so which i which i really really liked you know and the ref bump was absolutely beautiful and which set up the finish which i really enjoyed Right on. So, you know, to tie it, tie this in with WCCW episode that we watch, Beverly Hills, let's take another time out before we can uh, 
have our nice, loving advertisers plug their stuff. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. So, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? You boys a bit bored? Step into it! Step into a Slim Jim! Tear to the spice! Make me just a taste! Hey, nice! Antique! Snap into it! Need a little excitement! Snap into a Slim Jim! Your Olympic hero hasn't lied. It's true, it's true. Hey, think die, kid. You people have to be honored to have a man of intensity, integrity, and intelligence among you. Yes, I'd like a room, please. Sorry, no vacancy. Oh, that's okay. I'll take theirs. Ah, here come my fans. Prepare to lay the SmackDown in the all-new Hell in a Cell or in a high-flying ladder match. WWF SmackDown 2. Know your role for the PlayStation game console. You think you got what it takes, Jabroni? I love this place. Rated T for Teen. Beverly Hills. I hope you like that commercial break, Jack. <laughs> I love it. And before we go into a main event status star and our jobber and our top five list, Beverly, I'm blindsiding you for this episode. In, oh. wor- in words of Gorilla Monsoon, I'm Pearl Harboring you, Jack. Oh, oh, uh-oh. I've emailed you this before, and we never really talked about this, but starting with this episode down in Dallas, episode 15 of the podcast, we're starting a new trend, Jack. Okay. Not me Pearl Harboring you, but us talking about what works and doesn't work with whatever we just watched. Okay. And we talked about this off and on with Bill Mercer, but I really don't know if nowadays in 2014, if the single play-by-play man could work in professional wrestling. Okay. But, and I wish, you know, that's one thing I don't think would work now, or that would work now in 2014 that worked in 1982 in Dallas. Sure. But to tie it in with what could work from 1982 to 2014 is what we saw in the main event match. Okay. You know, good chain counter-wrestling into, you know, you know that being the main part of the story and the backstory of one of the guys wanting to win for he can get a title shot later on in the future. So I wish okay. current professional wrestling would tie that in a little bit more often. Yeah, I... I mean, I think, I don't know. I think one of the things that they do too much right now is that they do too many rematches. And uh, I think it worked here setting up from, you know, Bundy winning to getting a rematch. I don't know if that would work as much now. I do agree with you, though, with the style of match. And I think that could, um, you know, be something that would work. I know another thing that I liked from WCCW that we noticed with, I think, the first clash of the champions that we reviewed was going into a commercial break how WCCW would always have, like, a still shot or a slow-mo video in the background of either highlights from the match that we just watched or whatever's going to come up next and, you know, a text with what's coming up next. Sure. I really, really enjoyed that. And I guess WWE... Nowadays, is pretty good on, you know, putting up the text and who the, you know, the graphic and who's coming out and all that and their Twitter handle and la-di-da. But I guess, you know, they really don't need to do that nowadays. But mm-hmm. I really, that's one thing I really enjoyed in 1982 
world-class championship wrestling was their PowerPoint still shots before they go to a commercial break. Okay. I, ju- I guess I just wish that, you know, there would be a company, unless there is a company in North America that I don't know that do that, but I wish there'd be a company somewhere to differentiate themselves from the rest of the pack that would bring that back nowadays. Sounds good. I guess, do you have anything that from this episode that you could think of offhand, uh, you know, that things that could or could not work from this episode that could or could not work in 2014? Um, I don't know. Showing cute fans in the audience. Well, like the old lady that we saw? Yep. I agree with that. <laughs> so we may as well go into the jobber and the main adventure for the night. My okay. jobber has to be the tech crew. For not letting not letting me know who was in the six man take team match earlier in the night. You guys <laughs> suck. You guys are losers. And you guys definitely don't run the wonderful website, worldclasswrestling.info. Because because that website is the site I got my information on the results and what the hell's happening on this episode. I, don't know, man. I just listened to Bill. Bill was telling me who was there. You well, just gotta well, listen to Bill. If you're gonna say that, fine. I'm going to add in the guy who I also wrote in with the tech crew for my jobber, which was Bill Mercer, daddy-o. <laughs> He's going to listen to him, man. I don't my... want to listen to Bill Mercer, Jack, when my niece is over, because my niece is a little bit more important than Bill Mercer, daddy-o. Fair, fair enough. All right, my jobber uh, is Bronco Lubitsch. I thought he was annoying in the... Um, little ref segment he was more more interested in putting himself over that he would, i don't even know what he's trying to say that he's ref two title changes or whatever uh bronco whatever the worst. bronco is bad and my main event star has to be king kong bundy I'm with you. My main event star is also King Kong Bundy. Yeah, for me, I had to say that he was Bundy because early the night he said that he was going to defeat his challenger, Kevin Von Erich, who beat him for the North American Championship. And with his win, he should be in a title shot later on in a few weeks or whatever. And King Kong Bundy did what he said he was going to do. Right. And he outsmarted the face by doing a ref bump to get the referee out of the ring, do an illegal maneuver, and... In, which set up the finish and got himself a victory. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I I liked Bundy. I liked his promo. I liked his match. I even liked the promo with the six-man tag thing uh, with Gary. So it was good stuff. He was good all night with it. Okay, then we might as well do the top five list for this episode. And uh, the top five list is inspired by a nutty Ric Flair with Fastlane on his forehead. <laughs> right on. I, I wanted to do a top five talkers slash promo dudes. Oh, those promo guys? I thought it was just like promo, pro, like literal promos. Or if that's what you want to do, that's fine, Beverly Hills. Okay, well, I'm going to have a different top five than you. <laughs> well, that's, that's completely fine because I looked at this as top five guys who I like to hear in promos. Well, you know, mine could double for that, so it could work. Okay, you go. Okay. I, you want me to go first since I'm wrong? I can go first because, okay. just because I messed you up. Okay. My number good. five is Shawn Michaels because the Heartbreak Kid has left the building. <laughs> that was one of his catchphrases from, the, what, like, 92, 93 era when 
you know, towards the end of the Hulkamir era, into the new generation era, that Shawn Michaels, well, seemed to be a, a lot of booger sugar during that time, <laughs> which made his promos extremely entertaining for Beverly Hills and I to go and watch whenever he, him and I get together and hang out. Yes, I agree. So Shawn Michaels has left the building on my top five list. Okay. All right, my number five, again, it's just like one-off promos. My, my number five from August of 1983, uh, Harley Race with the title and with the briefcase of money putting the, the bounty on Ric Flair. A little apropos as we were talking about a bounty here in this uh, uh, show as well. I just, I'll say like my favorite line from each one. I just love, come and take the money. Come and take the money. Dick Murdoch, do you want this money? Come and take it. I love it. Just, I love that promo. I love watching it. Um, it's good. It's to the point. Shows his emotion. Uh, I I love that Harley Race promo. Okay, my number four is also a guy who put a bounty on Bill Goldberg. Okay. And the game plan is, my number four is Triple H. With his catchphrase, <laughs> that is the game plan. <laughs> I had to write that down, that line down again, just because I had to make sure I got it in sometime during this episode. <laughs> and I don't know, I guess Triple H is one guy who, depending on the, on the topic he talks about in his promos, is one guy I like to go back and listen to. Okay, good stuff. And all that, and just interesting, you know, nowadays in 2014, here, Triple H talk about the WWE Network being nine ninety nine a month. <laughs> okay. All right, my number four is uh, from October 28th, 1985. Dusty Rhodes talking about hard times, baby. You don't know what hard times is like, Ric Flair. The textile workers not knowing where they're going to get their next paycheck. That's hard times. The people not knowing if they're going to pay their rent. That's hard times. I love that promo. Love the hard times promo. One of the most classic of all um, in wrestling. Beverly Hills, you might like this, but one day, probably several months ago, on Facebook, one of my coworkers was saying something about hard times, and (laughs) I had to share that promo on her status. Nice, nice. Is she a textile worker? No, she's a package handler just like I. Oh, the the package handlers, they know hard times, brother. Especially during the holiday rush, brother. Oh, it's coming. Woo! And that is hard times for the package yeah, that's handler. Hard. That's hard times. My brother. number three is the best in the world at what he does, Chris Jericho. Okay. I enjoyed his heel promos. Back in 2008. Well, if you, if, you know, you kind of look at, you know, Zach promos, I guess I want to talk about, yeah, the promos that he did in 2008. You know, calling Shawn Michaels a, a hypocrite for lying to the fans when he wasn't actually hurt and claimed he was hurt. You know, calling, you know, yeah, fans par- uh, faris- uh, parasites and all that. And using the catchphrase that he is the best in the world at what he does today. I just love the... I just love Jericho talking very, very slowly and kind of in a monotonic way, using very, very big words to make everybody feel stupid. That is, my, that is my number three. My number three 
Austin three sixteen says I just kicked your ass. What? <laughs> no, not that. Definitely not. Uh, King of the Ring ninety six. The famous Austin three sixteen promo. I know he had been working, you know, that kind of character for a while, but this is really the thing that kind of jumps it off. Um, extremely, extremely memorable. Probably the most well known catchphrase of the million that were uh, launched during the Attitude Era. It's a very, very memorable one there from King of the Ring ninety six. My number two is what you gotta do, brother. From Hulk Hogan. Okay. And it seemed like a lot of Hogan promos from the 80s sound like he was on a lot of booger sugar. <laughs> Enough said. Beverly, who's your number two? Okay. Well, my number two is actually from Hulk Hogan. And one of the craziest ones that he ever threw. I thought this one was just funny. To, uh, WrestleMania 4, Donald Trump is lucky he's a Hulkamaniac winning New York or whatever, Atlantic City falls into the ocean. Donald Trump and his family grabs onto the largest back in the world, and I doggy paddle him to safety, brother. I love that. It is one of the apeshit craziest promos ever, but I love every part of it. One of the lines I remember from that promo, from that made it from that WrestleMania, I know we watched this together. Was yeah. I I know I I remember this because I put this up on Facebook. Thank God Donald Trump's a Hulkamaniac. Yes, I wrote that. Rather than thank God Donald Trump's a Hulkamaniac. Oh, I love it. My number one is actually a tie. So one in one air. Okay. Is, is Ric Flair, especially if we're picking promos, I guess from this night that from WCCW. You know, the state of Texas, NWA, and WCCW wants to see him inside the cage. So, woo, he's going to. He's going to pay the price. And my 1A has to be Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, very good. Especially with the build-up from WrestleMania Five, <laughs> That he was talking about Lost Hogan. And what you going to do when you look into my eyes, Lost Hogan? All you're going to do is see Rage. <laughs> You know, with okay. Flair and Macho, it's like they were on a lot of cocaine during their promos, <laughs> which I love. Beverly, what's your number one? All right. Uh, so my number one is um, from Ric Flair, as Ooh. you mentioned. Uh, going back to Royal Rumble 1992 with a tear in my eye. Love it. This has to be the greatest night in my life. I love that promo. It's short. It's to the point. It's got the iconic with a tear in my eye line. I love it. It's uh, can see it. It gives you know. It gives me goosebumps when I uh, watch it. So it's. I love it. So we might as well close the show, Jack. Since the last episode, I've created a SoundCloud account for the podcast good stuff so you can check us out on soundcloud just search <laughs> us up main event status radio you'll find us you can find us also on facebook.com slash main event status radio that's all one word facebook.com slash main event status radio you can also find us on our website main event status.com that's main event status dot com you can also find <laughs> us on itunes you know search us out in the podcast like us, rate us, help us move up the charts. We want to be 
the Ross Report, Daddy-O. That is why I got my little bell, for we can beat the Ross Report. You can also find, find us on Twitter, Beverly Hills. How can they find you on the Twitter machine? At Beverly Hills M-E-S. And you can find me, the Dirty Dog, on the Twitter machine, at Dirty Dog M-E-S. That's dog as in D-A-W-G, at Dirty Dog M-E-S. And this is the Dirty Dog. For Beverly Hills, we'll see you next time on Minivan Status Radio. Goodbye, sweet Lucy. (laughs) 